Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the ancestors. I call in my ancestors all the way back to the first people. I call in all those ancestors who lived well and those who died well, those who carry the legacy into my life and the life of my family. And I call out to your ancestors, those who carry the legacy for you, that bring to your your inheritance of gifts from lives lived well that you might learn from those who've gone before you. It is on their shoulders that we stand, and so I call out to the ancestors to stand up for us here today, to gather around us, and to help us to go forward in our proceedings here today in a good way, in a way that supports all life and allows each one of us to live ever more passionately and ever more strongly from our heart. May the ancestors give us courage. May the ancestors give us inspiration. And may the ancestors help us to learn from the mistakes of those who have gone before us. We call out to the energy of the earth, the oldest ancestor on this planet, as we know it. We call out to this ancestor to give us grounding, to give us protection, to give us the blessing of continuity and community. We call out to this ancestor to give thanks to her for all that has been in our lives that has brought us to this moment, for all that is in this moment and all that will be. We call out to the earth and give thanks for home and acknowledge in this moment that we share this home with an awful lot of people and an awful lot of living things. And may we all go forward from our time here together better able to hold all life as part of our family. And we reach up from our hearts and minds all the way up to the highest power of the universe, up through all the layers of the sky, to the highest power, and by whatever you call that power, call it down. Call this energy into our circle here today to bring us guidance, to bring us blessing, to bring us protection and inspiration, and to bring us the generosity of this amazing world that we live in. And as the energy of the sky comes down and the earth rises up and blends within each one of us, may we know the miracle of life and live today in a way that brings that miracle into full manifestation. May we live in gratitude and awareness of this and remember that we are a piece of that miracle at all times. And so we call out to the energy of the heart. May we hold that miracle in the heart and let it blossom. We draw up the passions of our belly and the clarity of our mind to infuse each other in the heart that we might each know why we are here and go forward better able to live that soul's purpose in our life. So with the help of Spirit Gathered Round, I welcome each of you here today on whatever day you decide to download this show and listen to it. We invite you to join the circle here today as we talk about becoming a person of power. So I am uh, teaching a new series right now in Portland, Oregon. It's called Becoming a Person of Power. And the lecture evenings are open to anyone who wants to come in. And the class has required pre-registration. There are no prerequisites. 
yes, there are no prerequisites to you becoming a person of power. That anyone can become a person of power if they choose to. All they needed to do for this particular class was be willing to commit to nine months together. So why the commitment? Well, I ask people to make this commitment because nothing happens in life until you are willing to show up and truly be present. So let's just assume for today that we are all past this very critical issue, this issue of showing up and being present. In other words, let's assume for today that we have all accepted that you get from life what you give to it and that when your life doesn't seem to be balancing out with the effort that you're putting into it, that you have enough sense to notice it's not balanced, to look into why it's not balanced, to ask for help, and potentially even to work with spirit to create some kind of rebalancing or reorganization. So for today, though, let's assume that we get this and that we're all ready to move on and move on ever more deeply into this question of what does it take to become a person of power. So today we're going to talk about nine things. And the first thing in becoming a person of power is that you need to understand the power of stories. And you can think about this psychologically if you want to. You can think about this the way your life coach talks about this with you. You can think about it the way any of those self-help books you've read talk to you about it. You can think about it any of the ways any of these New Age radio show Internet hosts are talking to you about it because everybody's talking about it one way or another. I personally prefer the movies. So uh, recently I saw The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. And in that movie is entirely about the power of stories. So there's this marvelous moment in this beginning of the movie, actually, when um, the devil, who is bored, um, wanders in to where Parnassus is. And Parnassus is a monk high up in a cave in a mountain with a whole bunch of other monks. And these monks um, share the task of telling the story that shapes the universe and that they all together are sharing this responsibility of telling this story. And so the devil and Parnassus get into an argument about the value of telling the story. And the devil says, you know, why should we debate something um, that is so easy to disprove? And the devil silences the monks, and the story stops. Parnassus is shocked and horrified and then awareness illuminates his face, and he realizes that life is going on. But his response to the devil is, well, others are telling the story. And so the question we need to ask is, or you need to ask, we each need to ask ourselves, is what story are you telling yourself? What story is shaping your reality? Are they petty stories? Are they wounded child stories? Are they fantasies that have no hope of ever actually happening? There's a lovely quote from a Nigerian writer, Ben Okri. Beware the stories you read or tell. Subtly, sub subtly, at night, beneath the waters of consciousness, they are altering your world. 
So what stories are you telling yourself? What stories are shaping your reality? What about the big stories? The big stories are stories like the stories that explain how did we get here? How did the earth get here? Why are we here? And what happens after we die? Do the stories you tell yourself empower you or do they disempower you? Um, I recently worked with um, some people that are all part of a family, and in the family, um, a son recently died. And these people were so tortured, so much energy was going into their suffering purely because they didn't know what had happened to him. They didn't know the story of what happens after we die. They didn't know how to think about him. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know how to shape their lives. They didn't know where to put him. Here is this person who is a member of their family. They didn't know where to put him. And there was an enormous amount of pain and suffering being generated simply by the fact that they didn't know the story. They didn't know how to understand where their son or their brother, you know, where this loved one was now. And so we need to recognize that stories are the organizing principles of our lives. And some lives are very, very disorganized because there's many, many different stories going on and they all disagree with each other. And, it's, and the life then is very chaotic and disorganized. The important thing to understand about stories is that you can select the stories. You can delete old stories. You can make up your own story if you choose to. I'm not sure I would suggest that, but it's possible. But the point of the stories, if you're going to be a person of power, is you need to learn how to notice what stories are shaping your life and to decide whether or not to continue to participate in that story, either in your life or in the telling that is going on in your unconscious. And so some organizing principles are more effective than others. Some, in other words, some stories to shape our life around are more effective than others. Um, one of the most ineffective stories to organize your life around is the idea that you are fundamentally separate from the divine by whatever name you call the divine. It doesn't really matter. It just works into your story, however it works into. But... The issue here is that is a very ineffective story to organize your life around because it's not true. It's much more effective in life. You'll be much more powerful and able to affect the intentional change in the world and enjoy doing it if you um, organize your life around a story that is actually true. For example, that you are one with all things, that all things are connected, all things are energy, and everything affects everything. And if you just sort of go off that story, your life would actually work out pretty well. So why is this so important? Well, what I have seen working with people over the last 20 years is that people's stories about how the world works um, or doesn't affect how they process their life. And, in, and, you know, your life is where you actually have the opportunity to act and be a person of power. 
And I worked with this woman for a long time, many years, 15 years. And she was a woman who um, had done all of the right things, basically, to pursue her dreams, to act on her talents, to, um, and she'd worked very hard and she'd sacrificed a lot to be able to, um, she was an actress, she had her own um, theater company, and she had um, written, researched and written plays. She, they, so she, she was really participating with life in a, in a fairly empowered way. But what I noticed working with her and her relationship with shamanism was at the what I call the kind of the beginning end, where she really just approached shamanism as a place to receive healing. She didn't necessarily learn to journey herself or develop any more of the shamanic skill set. So here she is in her life doing all the right things, has a good support network, you know, has a therapist, has, you know, goes to the gym, all these things. And... The more and more she does her shamanic healing work, the more and more she acts as a person of power in the world, the more things start to fall apart. And so what I'm going to talk about after this break is why they started to fall apart and why she wasn't able to make that a useful life experience because of the organizing principles in her life. So thank you all for joining me here today. And I hope you'll join me again after this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And today we are talking about becoming a person of power. And we were in the middle of a story before that break. So we are talking about a client of mine who is an actress who has her own theater company. She's writing plays. She's producing already written plays. She's, you know, pursuing her passion. She's got a good support network. She's got her shaman. She's got a therapist. She's going to the gym. She's eating the right food. She's got her meditation practice. She's doing all the things we would think would organize her life as being a person of power. But things start not responding in a way that is commensurate with the energy that she's putting into life. And eventually, in a particular show that she's very put a lot of energy into writing the story and casting and getting ready, she hires a director who makes a mess of the show, the actress becomes, the lead actress becomes a complete um, crazy diva problem, and it's terrible. The reviews are awful. Everything gets, you know, all, all the power gets taken away from her in the process. The reviews are terrible. The box office is horrible. I mean, everything just kind of goes to hell in a handbasket. And her experience of that, because of the story she has about how the world worked, was basically that she was doing everything right, and it just fell apart for no good reason. And so it reinforced fear of the unknown. It reinforced fear of taking risks, fear of going out on a limb for what you believe in. It reinforced all of these fears. And and mostly that was just because she didn't have a way to look at what had happened. Whereas my perspective, looking at it from a shamanic point of view, is that she had been asking for a transformational experience that would allow her to disconnect from aspects of who she had been in her life and really open up to the woman that she had become through her life lessons. And this is the kind of thing she was talking about in her sessions with me. 
And so what happened is life gave her that opportunity. Because the other thing that happened when this theater company she was, you know, giving so much life to um, in the city, when all that fell apart, is these opportunities opened up outside of the city to act in a different way, to have different aspects in her life. It was an opportunity to let go of what had been and to move on in a different way in life. But she was so frightened by what had happened, she was unable to see those opportunities as opportunities. Whereas my perspective is she had been given by life exactly what she had asked for. She had been horribly humiliated. Her, she'd been disempowered and in that experience, or allowed herself to be disempowered. And in that experience, she had had an ego death. She had risen up from that. She had reclaimed her company. She had reclaimed her power. And she, she was poised to step forward in a new way as that woman she had become. But she couldn't do that because she couldn't see how her life and her soul had conspired with her to create this grand catastrophe to kill off that last hunk of her ego so she could go forward in a new way, new opportunities opened up that she was afraid to take because she's afraid to take a risk, afraid to pursue what she loved because of this catastrophe that had happened. So it just kept circling round and round and round. She could never quite see how everything was exactly what she had asked for because she couldn't see it through an organizing principle that made it productive for her. So that's why whatever the story is that you're telling yourself about how the world works and why it works that way and what your role is in it, and all of these stories are so critically important because they help you either understand what's going on or be completely shut down by your experience. So what's interesting about this idea of becoming a person of power, of course, is that you already are a person of power. The question is, are you using it and are you enjoying the benefits of it? Um, you are an energy being of great beauty and divine grace. That is a given. But are you living as an energy being of great beauty, magnificence even, and divine grace? That's true. And if that's true, you know, so what gives? You know, why is your life the way it is if you are an energy being of great beauty, magnificence, and divine grace? Well, part of the task here is that we need to learn to become people of power because the dominant, or in the sense of the most common stories that we are told here in America, are at the very least innocent misinformation and are often actually calculated psychological stories to get us to give up our power to someone or something else. And that's fine. You chose to get born here and to be here now, so deal with it. So recognize that that is true and choose. So the first thing that we need to do in becoming people of power is choose our stories wisely. Delete the stories that are not helpful for us in our life, and for that you may actually need some kind of ritual or transformational process to do. Nonetheless, the first thing you have to start to do is recognize that you can. And to notice these unwise stories that you tell yourself, to track them to the source and to find a way to disempower them. So the second thing that you need to do in becoming a person of power is to recognize then that you are an energy being and that we all need an owner's manual for this 
system because it's not apparent. What's apparent is your physical body. But um, you, we each, you, everybody else, we each need to learn how to drive this energy body, how to care for it, how to maintain it. Most people are far more aware of how to care for their cars and their espresso machines than they are about how to care for their bodies. So you are creating your own ecstatic energy body all the time, every day. Hmm. Body not feeling so ecstatic without uh, chemical intervention? Well, let's look at that. No, we create our physical body from the template of our energy body. And chemistry affects energy, energy affects chemistry. So if you want to change your body or your experience in your body, for example, depression is an experience in your body. So if you want to change your body or your experience of life in your body, then change your energy body. So how do you change your energy body? Well, we've actually talked about this in three separate shows, discipline and practice. Why? Because the energy body largely takes its shape from your thoughts. It takes its shape from the stories that you tell yourself, especially the big stories, the beliefs you carry, the kind of relationship you have with archetypal patterns. The body is shaping itself from your psychological patterns. It's shaping itself from your emotional patterns. It's shaping yourself from all those unconscious stories that you tell yourself from your childhood and so on. So how do you basically, you know, what, what is the care and feeding for an energy body? Well, we actually talked about this in The Basics of Living Well. These are shows that were in August and September of 2009. Um, and I would suggest that you download those shows and listen. Um, where do you start, though? You start with a daily practice that allows your spirit or your soul and your body to communicate with each other without the constant mediation of the mind. That practice can be anything. It can be as simple as going for a walk. It can be as complex as you're learning Tai Chi or yoga. But the important thing is that you have one and you use it and you use it daily. So the third thing about becoming a person of power is um, that you need to understand what's actually going on around you, under the surface of everyday life. And for me, I simply was not, and, and you need to do that without calling a, the psychic hotline every, you know, two days. That, in other words, you personally need to be able to understand what is actually going on under the surface of everyday life for day-to-day things, that you would want to call on a specialist for the special things. Right, But day-to-day, you need your own direct relationship with spirit and that we need a working relationship with our helping spirits to be able to understand what's actually going on. It's not always obvious. In fact, it's rarely obvious. And what's really important is almost never what it seems on the surface. Um, so ultimately, um, that we need to be able to work with the spirit to understand what is it that we need to transform to become people of power and to live that way day in and day out, particularly when we feel the current of our culture is moving against us. And for this, we may ultimately need to turn to the, the, the big heavy hitter aspects of shamanism, which are ritual for creating transformation 
or ceremony for reinforcing some kind of status quo or reinforcing what we need to give strength to. And we can't do these things well or accurately without a current time renewable relationship with spirit. And so the third thing that you need to be a person of power is you need to be in direct relationship with beings of power that are not locked into the human stories and the human consciousness and human form. So the fourth thing that we need to become a person of power is you must understand how to accurately use life as a teacher. And um, Tom Pinkston spoke about this really beautifully in the interview about his book about the Wuchol. Um, but he was talking about how people have done studies and really looked at um, people and how they respond differently to challenges and stress. And so this has to do with how you use life as a teacher. So we'll talk a little bit more about using life as a teacher when we return from this break. And I thank you all for joining me here today, and I hope you'll come back after this break as we continue to discuss what we need to pay attention to in life to be people of power. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we're talking about nine things we need to pay attention to if we are to become a person of power in our life. And we're on number four. And number four is about learning to accurately accurately use life as a teacher. Now, most of us get that life is a teacher. Most of us, or many of us at least, get that life is trying to teach us something, and some people even believe that coincidences aren't really coincidences and that we need to pay attention. But, you know, there's a lot going on in life. What are you supposed to pay attention to and what's just noise? What is going to be of value if you turn your attention to it? What is the, where is there going to be a payoff? And how do you turn your attention to it? And so this is a skill set that needs to be learned. I personally went all the way through college, higher education, and no one ever taught me any of this in any, any of, not in Girl Scouts, not in school, so, and not in church. And so one of the most valuable skills I have learned on par with learning how to journey and have a direct relationship with spirit is learning how to accurately assess what am I supposed to be paying attention to and what life is teaching me and what do I do with it? What is it teaching me? And what do I do with that information? And that is a skill um, that we need to learn. It's not enough to just sort of make it up as we go along. And that um, life does teach us, but it doesn't necessarily make us grow up. And it often, as much as people like to say that life initiates us, it doesn't initiate us. If it did, I mean, look around. If it did, our communities would be filled with wise, happy elders we couldn't wait to get home to at night to talk about our day, to come to better understand our day, to guide us in how to be people of power in the world. That is not what is going on in our culture. And so if life, if it was enough to just let life teach us however you wanted it to, people wouldn't be depressed and on Prozac. That, that people would be learning and, and growing. It's not enough. We need skills to interface. Life is trying to teach us, but you need skills to learn how to work with this in an accurate and effective way so that it can help you to grow up. 
I got a beautiful email from a listener, beautiful and intelligent email from a listener um, for the show, a couple shows back on authenticity and shamanism. And she says, I guess I assumed that successfully facing the suffering and challenges within one's own life naturally brought people through life's various initiations. But I find that many end up getting stuck in their own pain or jammed in the gears of the lessons grinder. I think this is beautifully put, and I think it's completely accurate. It's not enough to just expect that the way that people face the suffering and the challenges of life is going to grow them up because how they face it is entirely dependent on the story through which they're seeing it. And how, what they believe they can do with it is an entirely shaped by the story through which they're seeing themselves. And so while it is true that life is the ultimate teacher, and I deeply believe that, you, we must learn to view, we must learn the point of view from which to see that and the language that life is communicating to us through. And the, these are really important points um, to to. In other words, this is something that's willing to take, that is worth your time to spend some energy and resources towards learning. It is the greatest teacher. It is with you all the time. You'll never have to travel to it. You'll never have to pay it. You'll never have to um, be its disciple. It's just there all the time for you. But the question is, do you know how to use it to truly let life grow you up? And my, in my experience, most people don't. I mean, I certainly didn't until I learned skills. Okay, so we're only on number four, and we're almost done with the show, and I should need to get moving here. So, number five. So, in the process of becoming a person of power, the other thing, one of the, the fifth thing that you need to do is to define your relationship with why you are here. Um, for example... In the beginning of my life, I got the idea from how I grew up that basically I was here to take responsibility for everybody else. (laughs) That's a short version of it, but it was pretty much about that stupid. And what I came to understand working with my first teacher who taught me about energy awareness and how to be a, a person of power in my energy body and that I could have an ecstatic energy body if I chose to, Um, although I'd have to sacrifice a lot of those old stories if I wanted that. What I came to understand from her is the possibility that my only responsibility in life was to live my life, was essentially to do what I came here to do. Now, this was just a hypothesis. I didn't know if that was true or not, but I decided to commit my life to that possibility for a year. And I did everything I knew how to do to, to live by that principle, that my only responsibility in life was to live with myself, basically, was to live my life. And everything swung around that decision. In other words, everything changed around my changing my own belief about why I was here. Within 18 months, I was having my spontaneous initiatory experience into the calling of shamanic healing and that all happened because i changed my ideas about why i am here the calling was always there everything else was always there all that changed was my attitude about why i am here and so it's critically important that you understand all the stories that are telling you why you're here and you delete the ones that aren't good information and that you focus on 
you know, for my money, I would say that you focus on the understanding that you are here with the sole responsibility of living your soul's purpose and doing that in a way that supports all life. And if you do that, you will give the gifts you are meant to give to the world. You will serve as you are meant to serve. You will teach. You will learn. You will heal. You will be healed. And you may even become enlightened. But that is, from a shamanic perspective, your reason for being here. And if you accept that, your whole life will revolve around that, will, will reorganize itself around that understanding of why you are here. That was number five. Okay, number six. To become a person of power, you must define or, or redefine your relationship with your past. The most common moment that I have with clients that I've worked with for a while, they're actually paying attention, they're stepping into their power, they've had a few soul retrievals, you know, all of this stuff is starting to work. And they get clear messages from spirit because they've learned a journey and they're working with their helping spirits. That the messages from spirit ring true with their truth cord, and they know that because they're working on the maintenance of their energy body. And they know what they need to do because they can see how all the messages are lining up, the opportunities are there before them. Maybe even the doors are starting to open for the new thing that needs to happen, whatever it is. But... It's always this big but. <laughs> and and it always comes with all of these reasons they can't do it. They can't act on these messages from spirit. They can't act on the truth in their body. They can't do what they know they need to do because of this and that and the other thing. And I ask, okay, so I accept that you can't do it because of that. Why? And the why always unfolds out of reality of everyday life, back into some story from childhood. It goes back into the past. Um, the, other, the other aspect of that is they'll often say, well, you know, if I do this, then this will happen. And my response to that is, you don't know that. We don't know what will happen. But the past programs us to assume that what happened in the past will happen again. And because we tell ourselves that story so continuously in our unconscious, it manifests that. And so that proves to us that the past is going to happen. And we're in this endless cycle unless we choose to step out of it and manage our mind and adjust our relationship with the past and not let the past drive us. So the question is, what is your relationship to your past and how do you transform that relationship? Because the past, well, the way I like to think of it is this. I travel a lot. And I think of things in terms of luggage a lot. And the past is like this enormous 12-piece set, set of matching luggage with your name monogrammed on it. And it's all full of coal. And you can decide as you travel through life whether you want, you know, beautiful matching set, 12 pieces of luggage that you've got to schlep around from place to place to place to place. Or would you like to condense all of that coal into a pocket full of diamonds? And many of you know the stories from your ancestors who had to get the hell out of town fast that their lives went better with diamonds sewn into the hem of their clothing than it did carrying a bunch of stuff on their back. 
And so your relationship with the past needs to be complete and utter intolerance for luggage and a whole lot of diamonds sewn into your garments. So the question about the past is, how do you get the coal into the diamonds? How do you harvest the value from the past and leave the rest behind? That is a really valuable question. So the next issue, number seven, is defining your relationship with the future. Fear of the future is usually the result of soul loss or attachment to the future, which is usually a result of your relationship with the past. In other words, you assume you know what's going to happen in the future because of what happened in the past. And then the other reason sometimes we're actually literally afraid of the future is because of something happened that resulted in soul loss. So as with your relationship with the past, it's important that you redefine and cultivate your relationship with the future. You, what is critically important, and granted this is not the easiest thing in the world to do and there are many spiritual practices around it, but we must cultivate the capacity to detach from the outcome. And the future is all outcome, right? So you need to let the future be co-created by you and your spirit and your work, whatever that creative force is, and the help that you're getting from spirit, from other people, from the opportunities of life, that all these things are co-creating how the future is going to turn out. And you're calling these energies in all along the way. It will be better than you imagined if you stop uh, imprisoning it in what you think is going to happen. So... What is important, then, about your relationship with the future is you cultivate the ability to be passionately committed to the process, whatever process you're in, and you commit wholeheartedly without an attachment to the outcome. Now, this is, of course, easier said than done, but without this relationship to the future, you will disempower yourself. And it's important not to be afraid of the future but ready to go there wholeheartedly, passionately, and open to the adventure there is to have there. So, um, I hope you'll join me as we come back from this break, as we look into numbers eight and nine in the things that are necessary for becoming a person of power. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking about becoming a person of power. And we're going through nine different things that are necessary um, in our lives and how we live to be functioning in our lives, to become a person of power and function in that way day in and day out. And so we're on number eight. And so number eight is about um, defining or redefining your relationship with fear. Now, I could talk about this for a year of hour-long shows, and so let me cut to the chase. The bottom line is, Every single one of us has to learn to recognize when we are allowing our wounded child to run our life, when we have slipped into the perspective of the wounded child, so the eyes of that wounded child are shaping what we're seeing and are limiting our options for what we can do about it, because that is the big fear place that people go to. And generally, what I see from my practice is that people are afraid of themselves, People are afraid of power, theirs or the power of others, and people are afraid to create change. And let me read you that list again. People are afraid of themselves. 
People are afraid of power. You're a person of power. It's another way of being afraid of yourself. And people are afraid to create change. Well, what is important to understand about fear? That fear is meant to warn us of danger, not make us afraid of it. That is the right relationship with fear. So in other words, okay, so I'm afraid of myself. That only is warning me that there's a danger here. I don't have to become afraid of it. Children, the wounded child becomes afraid of everything. And what is important that you come to understand as an adult is that the fear is coming up to get you to pause for a moment to become conscious about what's going on and choose. And when you're afraid of yourself or afraid of power or afraid to create change, mostly the adult will recognize, okay, fear, thank you for warning me there's danger here, and I choose to go forward anyway because this is the path to creating what I want to create in life. It's important to remember that fear comes out of the past, unless it's instinctual, literal body fear like you're about to step off a cliff. I mean, thank you for that fear. It's keeping you alive. But most fear is coming out of your psychology and out of your emotions. It's coming out of your past, and it's an illusion. And the important thing to understand is that fear is illusion and that it's rising up simply to warn you of danger. You need to stop, assess what's going on, and choose. And mostly, choose to go forward anyway. So number nine on the hit parade here today for becoming a person of power is learning to define your relationship with the big story, the big, from shamanism, there is a belief that there is a dream that was dreamt first by the great void, the great mystery, and that all reality is coming out of this dream. We need to redefine our relationship with that dream and to understand our role in it. However, I guess to be honest with you, I would say I can't really begin to have that conversation with anyone until they actually are a person of power, until you've learned to work with these stories, to to create stories, to choose stories, to delete old stories. You can't really begin to understand what it means to work with a story as powerful as the dreaming. So, I've broken my own rule here today. I spent a whole hour talking with you here today without really giving you much of anything to do. And usually at every show, I try to challenge you with something, to offer something to allow you to begin to change your life. Well, I didn't do that today. Basically because to become a person of power, actually the small things I've already told you in a whole year's worth of shows. So what I'm really saying is if you really want to become a person of power, understand I do teach all of these things that I talked about today. They're all a skill set. They're all learnable. I don't teach them in a one-day class that your best bet is to join me for Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self this year at the end of May. And you can email me for more information, christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Luckily, there is just a basic skill set that allows you to address eight of the nine things that we're talking about here today for becoming a person of power. And in those five short days, you will directly address your relationship with one through eight of the list of things that I talked about today, five days, and you will direct your time and energy toward addressing and transforming, potentially, your relationships with the first eight things we talked about today. So think about it. And and later on, there's another class where we can deal with number nine, working with the dreaming. 
So think about it. How long have you been working on yourself? How far are you along the path of truly becoming a person of power in body, mind, and spirit and heart? Do the math. How old will you be at this pace before all of this comes together? Do you plan on living that long? I know for me there's a point in my life when I did that math, and I knew it wasn't possible for me to live that long. So what I am offering you is five days. That's all I'm asking for, five days. And in those five days, you can approach eight out of nine on the list and go home with a skill set that will allow you to transform each of those things and begin to function in your life as a person of power. Five days, that's all. What are you waiting for? Thank you, everyone, for joining me here today as we've been talking about becoming a person of power. Uh, Next week, our show is going to be about working with the elements and why do we bother in our shamanic practices to work with the elements and what, what could be of value to you as a contemporary person working with the elements. So um, I'd like to thank the spirits for joining us here today, to thank the ancestors for gathering around the earth below us and the sky above and that great dance of alchemy between the earth and the sky, that big love energy that's birthed life as we know it into existence here on this planet. And I'd like to thank the heart for joining us here today because it is the heart that unites us all. So I want to remind everyone that in two weeks, Why Shamanism Now will be moving to a new time and place. The show will air Tuesday mornings um, live on the Internet at um, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, and the new network is Co-Creator Network. And, of course, the shows will, all the shows, um, all, all the archived shows and the new shows will continue to be available via iTunes, and the new shows will be available for download from the Co-Creator Network. And if you would like a reminder of all of this and a link to the new show, just send me an email and we'll put you on the radio show reminder list. And again, my email is christina at lastmasscenter.org. Um, we are also posting the details kind of as we know it, as things are getting up to speed, on the Facebook page for the show. So if you haven't found that yet, go to Facebook and look for Why Shamanism Now, and you'll find the page, become a fan, and we will keep you posted through um, just kind of regular postings as we know what's going on on the Facebook page. So thank you all for joining me here today. Um, I appreciate it. Please share the show with others and know that there's a whole bunch more information coming up as soon as a new website comes out at lastmasscenter.org. Thank you all. Have a great week. 